June 13, 2021, and so off for Pedro Show.
Spot for Pedro show. Started with John Coltrane, I never knew. Then Bran. You know, I'm going to have to get help here on how to pronounce this. You got it. You got it, man. <laughs> oh, right there. People, you can tell I ain't man alone, right? Yeah. The wonders yeah. of Skype, those Estonian software engineers. I got yeah. uh, Jake Rodriguez. Brand Poss. Grand Poss. Brand Poss. Right. Brand Poss. So the parentheses and the ellipses aren't pronounced. They are not. You know, when I first started, uh, I had some words in that parentheses, and uh, I just skipped them at a certain point. It was a, it was a pretty long name. It used to be the brand. Another plight of medics. That another plight of medics was in the parentheses, and then the ellipses, and then the closed parentheses and pos. And you know, I just started going by brand pos at a certain point because man, that's too much words. So it's kind of an abbreviation. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Notice how I breathe that? Yeah. Yeah, good job. Breathe. Brother Jake, let's uh, find out about, uh, about your journey through music. Please bring your earliest musical recollection. Remember, it's the Wife from Pedro show. There's no hard questions, and there's no wrong answers. Man, my earliest musical recollection, I mean, digging like way, way back. You know, when you're a little kid, you have like a little record collection, or I had a record player and a record collection when I was a kid. And it was mostly like the hand-me-downs from my mom, which was like pretty much a bunch of Disney records. So I remember listening to Dumbo, <laughs> the soundtrack to Dumbo, alone in my room and being freaked the fuck out. <laughs> I still listen to that soundtrack, man, all the time. I love it. <laughs> it's, okay. it's the biggest through line in my life. Now, now where, where, what town? Uh, I grew up in L.A. What, yeah, we're, we're like 150 yeah. towns. Yeah. No kidding. No kidding. <laughs> well, you know, when I was I was born in Denver, my folks uh, moved. They were they were living in L.A. a long time and then they got to traveling. Uh, but then uh, so they, they had me in Denver. We lived in Denver for like a year and then they moved back to L.A. where their family was. Um, but what part? And, I mean, <laughs> uh, I was we were on Los Feliz Boulevard oh, to begin that, with. Okay, yeah, like right right by Griffith Park. Sure, right up against the hills, Hollywood Hills, yeah. up where they filmed a fucking Rebel Without a Cause knife scene. Yeah, that yeah, Hopper exactly. with bleached hair. <laughs> yeah, so okay. we were there in an apartment, and then we moved around a bunch. We eventually ended up in the valley, in the San Fernando Valley, but we were we were in Los Feliz. Then we moved to Burbank, and then to North Hollywood, and then to Canoga Park. I think the last place I lived in L.A. was in Canoga Park. Okay, let me ask you about any of those pads. Was there yeah. musical instruments? You know, there wasn't a lot of music in my house when I was young. Uh, eventually, there was a piano. I have a brother that's nine years younger than me. And uh, my my mom sort of invested in him musically. So she got a piano. And then there was music in my house later. But for me, young, there was there was really not a lot of music Certainly, I wasn't making music. I was I was consuming stuff. Yeah, but, yeah, because of course you had the, the record player with the Dumbo yeah. records. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah, let me ask you about school. Were you in the marching band or the choir or shit like that? Nah, nah, I didn't do it. You know what I did? I was, maybe it's because I was in L.A. and it, it, it creeped into my blood early, but I did the acting thing in L.A. as a kid. I, I had, I... I said, oh, I want to be on TV. I want to be in movies. So my mom took me to acting classes, and uh, I did that pretty much my whole childhood. I still do it now, actually. Well, you know, there's a connect, right? You get on stage for a gig. For sure. Yeah. For sure. 
Although, man, when I first had my first music gig, it was like years of stage fright hit me all at once, man. Oh, yeah. I <laughs> it was still a get, whole different thing. I still get it, Jake. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I think you too. got it together until it's a minute before go time, and then here comes the pecan log right out the yeah. fucking culero. Look. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> Look. But, yeah, I did the acting thing. You know, I even, we, I even tried to make a go at it. I had agents and went on auditions and tried to get oh, parts. Oh, I wasn't I wasn't very good at it. I didn't really get any big roles, but I I have some stories from that okay. that world as well. And it probably in some ways inform your musical world too. For sure. I mean, you know, now what I do now uh for a living is sound and music for theater. So it ah, all yeah. crossed over together. Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. So let me ask you this. First record you bought with your own money, not oh, Moz Disney records, but you. Uh-huh, huh, huh. Well, I don't know if this was the first record I bought with my own money, but I do remember buying an Eddie Murphy comedy tape. Um and uh it had some real real nasty homophobic shit on it, <laughs> it was, that had to do with the the honeymooners. And yeah, I my no, dad was yeah, my I've dad been looking was looking at you, looking at me, looking at you, looking at me, looking at you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Start right, exactly. fucking. And I, I you know it's horrible shit now. I can't listen to it at all. But I, a little kid, and I thought my dad would like it, and I played it for my dad, and he was like, "Humana, humana, humana." Not, not into it at all. He he hated it, and he made me return the tape. He took me back to I don't know what it was like a Sam Goody or Music Plus or something or Licorice Pizza or something, but he made me return the tape, and I was so embarrassed by the whole ordeal, and 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 uh, I didn't know what to get, and I, and I ended up. Bringing home <laughs> another horrible, horrible tape. Uh, uh, we built this city of rock. Oh, yes. <laughs> Jefferson Starship. Jefferson Starship. Yeah, Starship. Built this shit. I brought that, that, that shit home. I don't think that was the first thing I bought with my own money, but it, that's a strong memory. Okay, of what, about, what about first gig you saw? Uh, first, well, first concert like of a pop band or whatever that I saw. My dad took me to see the Pointer Sisters. Ah, they're good. Yeah, that was that was fun. I mean, it was in the eighties when they were. Oh, I remember that. Yeah, 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 yeah. But uh, yeah, that was fun. I I like that. But uh, concerts before that, you know, we didn't. My family was not religious, but we were participating in a sort of cultish thing. Not really a cult, but this thing called Ekinkar still exists today, and uh, not really a cult, but a like Eastern inspired uh, religion. I didn't think it was a religion at the time, but. The the guy who ran the thing at the time was this guy called Darwin Gross, um, and he was a musician. He played – God, I think he played the vibes. I don't know. But there would be concerts associated with going to these big Ekinkar seminars that you would go to. So I think those are probably my first real concerts that I saw were uh, Darwin Gross. And that dude has been – he's been on like – He's been picked up by the outsider music folks. Like he's he's out there. There's folks that know Darwin Gross from, I don't know, some weird re-releases that have happened. Well, I know Ekinar because they, I think they had a pad here in Pedro. Oh yeah, yeah. They're still around too. They're still doing their thing. We dropped out of that. All every one of my family, one by one. I think I was. I may have been the first in my family to stop doing it, but uh, all my whole family all stopped doing it eventually. But uh, that was a big part of my social life early on. And since uh, theater was big in school, probably after school, I'm not talking graduate, but like in the afternoon, you didn't do yeah. the garage band. 
basement bed, uh, bedroom uh, band thing. No, not at all. In fact, that the the after school thing really for me, you know, in elementary school, that's sort of when I was doing my trying to go on auditions and you know be in TV things and not get parts over and over. My my you know my my dad is uh, a Reuben Puerto Rican. He was born in Aruba. My mom's a Jew. I was a kind of awkward looking, dark curly haired kid. Um, You're good looking man. It didn't really fit, though, in the, you know, Hollywood trying to cast a, a, a little kid into things. I, I didn't fit one way or the other, so I didn't get too many parts. And I probably wasn't very good either. But <laughs> Well, you're um, just a kid. You're finding yourself and shit. Yeah, you know? yeah, definitely. I mean, it, it, it provided, a, you know, it provided some. I thought I was good at it. I had a good time doing it. Um, it was, you know, certainly like. It wasn't my parents pushing me to do it. I think they'd probably prefer I didn't do it. And in fact, once once I went to the same elementary school my mom taught at. She was an elementary school teacher for a long time. So during elementary school years, she could like send a note to my class and say, hey, you have an audition after school. And then I just go hop in the car with her and we go audition for whatever the hell it was. And once I stopped going to that elementary school, that whole world kind of fell apart because it just became too difficult for my folks to, you know, cart me around right, all right. over the place. Tote, well, like my, like my, my ma said, tote your ass. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so then so then I kind of, for a brief little crucial period of adolescence, didn't have that creative outlet, just like for maybe a year. And then I found drama in school and I was like, oh, this is the kind of stuff I did, although it's for theater. Yeah, Which I really and, and, didn't know a whole hell of a lot about at that point. And but it that's what sort of got me into doing Also with your stuff. peers, the cats you're going to school with. Totally. Completely. Yeah. Which would have been different because I had been kind of just doing it was I was like, you know, the weirdo that goes to auditions at the end of class. Right, and, right. Look, uh, I wanna play this uh SW zero seven you sent me. Oh yeah. New stuff.
state of thinking everything is like connected or like seeing connections or maybe there aren't any it's just like I always see that and I just want to always make that connection just the bridging of like different discourses to each other materials themselves can be pretty inspiring for instance like this project just came out of the fact that I had access to spare piano parts. How can I make something with them? So it's just like me exploring the properties or like the, the limitations or the edges, the boundaries or how far I can push this medium and what it, its capabilities are.
the advantage of using sound over visuals is that you know visuals almost always have like a reference. Like you look at anything, and then there's always going to be like a slew of associations with it, like cultural baggage. I know what kind of emotion this is supposed to elicit. Or with sound, I think there's a little bit more unexplored territory and freedom in sound. I try to think about creating a space where you don't know how to enter the sound necessarily and how to approach it and enjoy it or hate it even. I think in these kinds of moments of confusion, not knowing or not thinking, I think that's really great. the other one. Sound is uh, invisible, but it's very tangible. Sound dissipates. It doesn't really exist. Like, so sound can only exist in a social context. Sound is just such a mysterious, cool fucking medium to work in. Yeah. I love novelty and discovery. For instance, taking the bare piano wire and marrying it with a bow or marrying it with you know, a mallet or something like that, and then, like, getting unexpected results. Like, that is such a great feeling. It's just, like, you're discovering something, like, you're doing something new for the first time. I guess that's, like, the kind of attitude I wish people would take into just doing things. It's, like, doing things for the sake of just having something new happen, something, just doing something instead of having it uh, fulfill some sort of function. should not be instrumental or, or like have a direct function you know when you're like oh this is my job like I don't want to veer off course like I want to do what I intended to do I think it comes from this like capitalistic drive that like I frame everything in what this is valued at what it's worth right so it's like important to do stuff that is not worth anything Like, what is the intention of art? It's kind of, like, beautiful that it's, like, so open-ended like that.
Yeah, this is Night Trotter and this is Need of Bodies. Just cause I got a lot to Just cause I got a lot to give Doesn't mean you have to take it off Just cause I got a lot to give Doesn't mean you have to take it off I don't have time to run From your ideas Just cause I got a lot to give Doesn't mean you have to take it off Just cause I got a lot to give Doesn't mean you have to take it off
Live from Pedro Show. That chunk of music started off with Brand Poss doing SW07, which I've been enlightened to find out is very recent. Yeah. Then we had John Duncan and Stephanopolia, the reprisal. The Den Recordings, episode three, Victoria Shen speaks a little about her music. Tripper. She's, she's amazing. Yeah, you know, yeah, mind blow. Yeah. Tripper. She just, like the four silences on her fingernails. Oh, yeah, I saw that. I saw that. I got her record that she put out last year that, like, the cover is a is a speaker. Yeah, a hair, hair burst or something. Yeah. Yeah. Then we had a... Uh, yeah, it's amazing. I mean, music is just incredible trip. Tripper from Plymouth, England, with all the heartbreak lockdown. You can probably guess when that was done last year or last few months. SLWCC Watt with delay and feedback in E, the last tune on the collab album we did last month. Uh, Sam Lockward, Iowa City's buddy. Bob Bucko Jr. next from Dubuque with Native Bodies. Then Thor Harris, Rob Howison with Bill Callahan. DDC B08. <laughs> These titles, they kill me. <laughs> They're all the briefs. <laughs> yeah. Bombus Prendon after that. Cole Winda. And then finally, Brand Poss. Parsnip Maker. I can <laughs> relate to that. <laughs> yeah. So, okay. That's what's on an early first? thing. Well, let's let's talk about your, your, your first. Because we haven't really spoke about you doing. When do you first make the plunge into music making? Yeah, well, you know, at the the tail end of high school, I, I met a new group of friends that, you know, they were in bands, they were playing around in gigs in L.A., and uh, so I started getting into going to shows around there and being around folks that made music, which I hadn't been really hanging out with folks that made music before that time. And they were, you know, that's that's where I learned about Minutemen and Firehose and, uh, you know, they were listening to Butthole Surfers and Red Hot Chili Peppers and Primus and Fishbone and Mr. Bungle and stuff like that. Um, and we, you know, we'd go to shows and and uh, I'd go to their shows. And that, that was sort of a brief period of time, a couple of years before I moved in 92. I moved to San Francisco to go to college at San Francisco State. Um, and I had family up here, but I didn't have any friends. And around that time that I was moving, <coughs> excuse me, to San Francisco, I had discovered that in those bands that I would go see, I like the really weirder moments the best. <laughs> and, uh, so I decided I'm gonna go to San Francisco. <laughs> yeah, I'm going to I'm going to go go find the weirdest stuff that I can find. And so I got on sort of a seek to find the strangest music and to see as much of it live as I could possibly. But I had no friends in the Bay Area. I had family, but no friends. So I was kind of on that journey by myself. Um, and uh, there was a there's a woman that I knew and uh, that I was going to school with in one of my acting classes that was a good friend of Trevor Dunn's the bass player. Bass Mr. Bungle. Bass yeah. Man. He was on the and, show a couple months ago. Great cat. Yeah, I love him. And uh, he, uh, she said, "Hey, I know you like Trevor. He's playing at this uh, this venue called uh, uh, Hotel Utah tonight with oh, a yeah. band called Splatter Trio in the city. Yeah, 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 in the city. And uh, I was like, oh shit, 
that sounds great. So I, I went I went to the show. I saw a night this band Splatter Trio with Gino Robert, Miles Boyson, some saxophone player, yeah. Dave Barrett. Um, and it was like a night of improvised experimental music. And I was like, man, this is this is the shit that I've been looking for. And it turns dark. out that Gino Robert ran a, a weekly series called the Dark Circle Lounge on Tuesday nights at the Hotel Utah. And so I started making a regular re- regular visit on Tuesday nights. And I was under 21 and the place is a bar. So I would show up like two hours early before they were checking IDs and I'd hang out in the corner while they didn't see me. And then when folks started showing up, uh, you know, I just blend into the crowd. Strategy. Yeah, yeah. And, and and I lived way across the city, too. So I was like taking a bus there and then I'd have to take at that time. I'm not sure in San Francisco right now if they still have the night owl bus. They probably have some part of it. But, you know, they shut all the buses down in San Francisco at night. And uh, then they combine like all the routes into two routes. So I would take the night owl bus home. It would take me like two and a half hours to get home. <laughs> I'd be home at like three thirty in the morning. I was doing that all by myself for a little while until uh, some friends of mine that I had been making in, in L.A. that had been also seeking out the weirder stuff all moved up and we started playing music together um, and going to shows together. And okay. uh, we, we had our first gig at that dark circle. No, band. before you do the gig and you make the band, how do you decide yeah. who's going to play what? Well, we played. So it was for me. I didn't know what to play, so yeah. I had a microphone. The first thing I had was one of those Radio Shack electronic kits where you like can make a circuit, you know, by plugging in wires. And I could make a microphone with a speaker on it. So that was my first instrument was a little microphone and a speaker. And I just made stuck the microphone in my mouth and made noises. <laughs> and and uh, you know I still do that now. So I mean it kind of went from there. So I was like, well, I'll I'll take a microphone. I'll make weird what, noises. What did that uh, singer of the Talking Heads say? Say uh, same as it ever was. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Same as it ever was for sure. Uh, and, and we played with uh, my friends Jeremy Stone. He was bass. He was playing bass. He had already started playing bass with the, these guys. Uh, drummer Mike Garino, who you've actually played with before. Yeah, I've heard of Mike. Yeah, I got yeah. to record with him and. Maybe uh, know, John Dietrich and uh, Tullam. That's exactly right. That's exactly right. And it never uh, came out. That was a shame. And I'd love to hear that stuff. That's you're all favorite musicians of mine. So he, yeah, but he was in your first band. Wow. He, I played with Mike longer than I played with anybody else because through the journey of this, it eventually ended up being just me and Mike. But. Uh, uh, at this point, and then we had a saxophone player too, this guy Liam, who was like made us sound legit, you know. <laughs> <laughs> Mike was an amazing drummer. Mike was just like completely, completely gifted drummer. Uh, Jeremy, I think you told a, me he was from Simi. Uh, from Simi, he was from the San Fernando Valley. Mike. Okay, okay, yeah, yeah. I, There's a big difference. <laughs> well, Simi, yeah. I remember Sherwin Vague was there, and I'd have to drive there, and. It's oh, yeah. like El Segundo, a cop town, a lot of hombre. <laughs> oh, yeah. Uh, Mike Mike grew up, uh, you know, all these folks, you know, um, there's a health food store in Canoga Park that I always visit that is now pretty famous, Follow Your Heart. They make a bunch of veggie stuff that's all over the world, but it's a little health food store in Canoga Park. All these folks worked at Follow Your Heart. It's a weird little hub of that spit out 
weird folk over the years. But that's what it's about, Jake. It's about people. People ask me about the old days. It was about people. New days is going to be about people. Yeah, I think that's yeah. really important. So what was this unit called? Uh, well, when they played in L.A. as a unit, they called themselves Livestock. When they moved up, I said, if you all move up to the Bay Area, I'll be in your band. We, we changed the name to Topple. So we were called Topple. Tell me about that the first Topple gig. Uh, I was nervous as hell. I remember that. I, and it, it, it like shocked me how nervous I was. Uh, and it was at the Dark Circle Lounge at the Hotel Utah, which I had been, you know, it was like my church at that point. Right. It was the place <laughs> that I was hearing all the new sound and finding out about the whole Bay Area scene. Um, you know, with Topple, with, with that band, and then later on even, with Mike as the drummer, the, we would, we had, we had heads like tight little heads and then long sort of descriptive parts that we would improvise in. So it had a kind of a free jazz feel and then, you know, kind of a kind of a rock feel and then kind of just like a noise feel too. And every show would start with Mike No, we're talking Costas. about the we're talking about the first one. The first one, yeah, yeah. yeah. Every show would start with Mike tossing out a cymbal. So okay. he tosses out oh, wow. a cymbal. Sounds like an odd job. <laughs> yeah, when it hits the ground, when the cymbal hits the ground, we launch in. Oh, at least you don't hit somebody's neck a little. Yeah, <laughs> no, no, no. Discus throw. So, so yeah. was the first gig a success? I, I thought it was. I was extremely nervous, and 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 overall, I would say we probably only played like ten gigs overall that band. But you can and only have all... your first gig once. That's why I ask about it. Say that again. You can only have your first gig once, so that's why yeah. I ask about. It. Yeah, I mean, it was. I, I felt, I felt very honored to play the show. I can't remember, strangely, who was on that bill. That's okay. With, that's okay. Uh, as long as they didn't throw shit or, you know, uh, yeah. And, and and you thought it was success because that led to the next gig. Yeah, yeah. Jake, we're at the I, end of the first hour. June 13, 2021, Dishwap Peter's special guest, Jake Rodriguez. Hold tight for hour two. June 13, 2021. It's the second hour of lot for Pedro Show.
forever in yours, forever in mine, forever in time. An alarm sounded. Everyone's got their race to run. I am racing against time. Today, this morning, forever.
show start off the second hour brand pos doing martian brian pool something right before uh the sitch but pretty contemporary ben salter from tasmania after that with debt lambda scare from justice yeldon alone together from the plasterman heinbach unrua and finally brand pos with kindalush samuel's song so now you're telling me Top will last only 10 gigs. Probably something like that. We And we got, like, we had some folks that liked us. But, and, but why only 10, Jake? Uh, it was, you know, we were young. We didn't all get along that well. There were three of us that got along well. The, the saxophone player, he kind of came from a different world. But you uh, said he was an important dude in the band. <laughs> well, he made us sound legit because he was a real deal saxophone player. But, you know... It's making things work. I mean, the, the the positive, happy end of that is that the three of us afterwards kept playing together. 
but just in a different name. Well, did you guys ever record? Because you didn't give me any music from Topple. I didn't give you any Topple. We did two tapes. We put out two tapes uh, that I uh, may or may not have digitized. I like the Topple stuff. It, it feels a little long-winded to me when I listen to it now. It feels you needed like... some uh, editing? Yeah, it needed some editing. Okay. Well, yeah. that's that's one of the fucking dilemmas of improv music, but yeah. On the other side, it's one of the freedoms, you know, I, I don't know. It's it's a like a lot of things human, it's a balancing act, right? You can yeah. use your knife to cut your chow or stab your buddy. <laughs> yeah. You know the 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 uh the most recent thing I put out, which is a split with Headboggle, you played a track of He before. was on the show last week. Great kid. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. You played a track before SW that that stands for shrewd wads that I went in. I was like, okay, I'm going to make a bunch of short little pieces. I made I drew out some little graphic scores for myself. I gave myself a real limited palette of what I could use. And then I went, I'm going to make it with a beginning, middle and an end. I did a few takes of each of these little graphic scores. And then I picked the best ones. I tried not to edit. I tried to just like make it real time composition that felt like it had beginning, middle, and an end, and short. Okay. As we're talking about editing and yeah, and yeah, thought. yeah. No, it's to me, it's just it's almost like a performance, right? It's kind of yeah. private, but uh, okay. Let's let's talk about the timeline, the evolution. So, topple's done. Where do you go musically next? Well, I moved to New York for like maybe seven months in the summer of '97. I accompanied my partner. She was going to go to school there. And I started working on my first solo tape actually in 96. And I put it out in 97. Uh, and that was a Brampos tape. The Samuel song came from that tape. So that okay. was my first, one of my first solo recordings. Um, well, let's talk about the name. You already had a name. Yeah. Well, now, I, we, you I, already uh, told us that it was this big ass long thing. Yeah. I mean, I'd have to dig into my my tiny brain at that time, <laughs> okay, that's and I think there was a lot of a lot of things around it. I like the rhythm of it, but uh, also I think I was kind of cheekily or not so cheekily uh, uh, referencing brain pause, oh. and then putting and then putting an intermittent interruption in the middle of sure, the band. Sure, sure, sure. So. Now, what about the idea of going from an ensemble to the one man band plan? Uh, that, you know, I may have been the asshole in Topple. <laughs> I, I may have been the one that was like, fuck you guys. I can't deal with you. I need to go on my own and do my own thing. I don't know. Maybe. Um, so that there was probably some amount of like, I can't be in a band. I'm going to. Yeah. Do I'm, I'm going to ask you. So yeah. one man band, there's less people to blame. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> definitely. That's probably an initial part of it. Jake, I got to say, that's at least being responsible and not, and not trying to pass the buck. Yeah, yeah, for sure. For sure. I, I was I was uh, it was a weird period of time for me. I wasn't the happiest cat. So, you know, OK, let's 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 play. Uh, this has got a title, right? Meconium birthright for dual cellos and pile driver synth.
Watch for Pedro show that chunk of music. Start off with Brian Poss doing Merconian Birthright for dual cellos and pile driver synth. Then the new machine from Deep in the Woods 66 featuring Karen Hammond and Alfie. Or God, this is Gaelic. A O I F E. Sorry, don't mean to slaughter the language. Alf Hammond. Uh, this is uh, Tommy O'Sullivan in Dublin. Beautiful shit. And then, here's something that ain't brand pos from you, Jake. Uh huh. Compo Micro Dexal with Dented yeah. Left. So that, so talking about the timeline, in that summer period that I was gone, my buddies from Topple, Jeremy Stone and Mike Garino, they started meeting the, uh, the wider Bay Area costume noise scene. Um, what, what's it called? The costume noise? <laughs> yes, the you know the brutal sound effects. Oh, oh yeah, okay, okay. Yes. Um, and uh, and uh, so when I came back to San Francisco, I was like, hey, I'm I'm off whatever I was on. Let's let's get into it again. Me and Mike and Jeremy, the saxophone player, had moved back to L.A. Uh, and meanwhile, Jeremy had joined the the. Uh, Jeremy had what, what I refer to as the 1800s internship in the Bay Area, or the Singing Bull internship that many uh, Bay Area students attend to. Uh, Jeremy had joined that internship, and uh, so he was playing around in those gigs and introduced my solo thing to the to the Bay Area noise scene. And uh, so we started playing around and meeting folks in that whole world, um, and renamed our band Compomicrodexol or sometimes pronounced Compomicrodexol. Okay. <laughs> uh, and uh, so that's me on, again, Mike. Mike and Noises. Maybe I picked up a synth at that point. I'm not sure. Uh, Mike Garino playing drums. Sometimes he'd smack a guitar. And Jeremy Stone on bass. Um, and uh, we kicked around that for a while. That that particular recording you just played, I just rediscovered, and I love it because we don't have a ton of stuff recorded with Jeremy playing bass on it. Now, now you're saying it's part of the costume noise. Do you have pictures? Were you in fucking costumes? No. <laughs> this band was not in costumes, actually. I mean, I probably always have been a little theatrical in whatever I did, but we wore 3D glasses. That was it. Okay. It was real simple. It was real simple. And how long does this project, I mean, it's actually the same group of guys with a different moniker, but how long yeah. does it last? Well, as a trio um, with Jeremy playing bass, which in my opinion is the best version of it, uh, uh, only a few years, Jeremy kind of, he floated in and out of being a responsible adult. Ultimately, he exited early uh, in 2007. Um just you know he was doing the drug thing uh, so and sorry. you know sometimes on drugs sometimes not and that last time he couldn't get off you know so yeah yeah, yeah. Um, and he was you were a hero of his by the way mike Very a true. hero he loved you he worshiped you a big love back now at this time jake were you doing a parallel thing like you're doing an ensemble with your buddies yeah. but still keeping brand possum yeah. the yeah. man alone mode yeah 
and eventually when when we could really work with Jeremy anymore and he kind of he put the bass down too he stopped wanting to play the bass which is a shame because yeah because music's really, a lifeline music's a lifeline yeah, yeah. Uh, he continued to play music but he put the bass down and I, I think that that was a, a, a mistake but um, when he we stopped playing with him it just turned out to be me and Mike so then it was a duo with me and Mike and we brought in a third player every now and then but for the most part it was us as a duo I, pl- I picked up the bass I started yeah. playing it. Yeah. Um, what was I never your first bass? <laughs> was it a Fender? What was your first one? Oh, shit. It was It's like a, what, a P-Jazz? Is that what they say? I don't even remember. Well, there's remember. two kinds. They got Fender Precision, which gets called the Fender P. You know why it's yeah. called a Precision? Why? Because Leo, you know, he didn't play. But he put frets on it. And basses were just giant violins. So see, see, you can be precise because right? of frets. frets. That's funny. And then Jocko ripped off the frets. That's right. Well, actually, he ain't the first. The first cat to no. do that, Bill Wyman, Stones. Oh, no kidding. Yeah, I, no I read kidding. it in the Stone Alone book that he wrote, you know, where it goes up to Brian Jones dying. And it, it was Jocko is very important that he did that. Bill actually beat him to the punch. No kidding. I wouldn't shit you, I promise. Uh, I, at the I end believe of the... <laughs> I, I assume that somebody else had done it before, too. We're, we're, at, we're at the... Uh, I'll tell you something about it, though. Uh, uh, we're at the second... In uh, the second hour, June 13, 2021, Dish Watt Peter Show special guest, Jake Rodriguez, whole time for hour three. June 13, 2021, it's the third hour of the Watt for Pedro Show.
Live from Pedro Show, start off the third hour in La Sierra from Ritmos Tropicos, Tropicosmos. That's right. God damn what. Slaughters all the languages, but Los Got it, man. Los Got it. Hot head boggle after that. There's our buddy, Derek. Toot sweet. Of course, a little pun rock there, right? <laughs> He's having fun <laughs> with the spelling. And then finally, Bride of Empty Snail. Extra soft earthquake. Now, these are two projects that, you know, have different names. Yeah. It's, uh, uh, both of those are brand new pieces, too. Uh, uh, some not been heard by folks. So, Remos Tropicosmos, I play keys in an or, in a cumbia band. Ah, okay. So, I, I play you, organ you, in that band. Yeah, but you didn't talk about keyboard. You said something about synthesizer. But I've come to learn from guests, electronic music guys, synths don't need keyboards. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, this is keyboards, man. I'm playing keyboards so, right so now. So, where'd you learn? Oh, oh, when your brother got that piano? No. I mean, okay, I had a little Casio when I was like... 12 the one that has like the drum pads that you could like tap out drum beats on sure, it and, stuff. Sure. and i did make little songs on that thing but i never took it seriously apart from that i really didn't play keys uh until until i started just messing around with stuff later on i just picked up whatever i could pick up and start you know playing what i can no, right that's now fun. I that's play beautiful organ. That's that's what music's about. That's why I'm yeah. trying to contaminate and pollute people with that fucking kind of hankering. Yeah, yeah. I I mean, I this band, this cumbia band, Remos Tropicosmos, is like the most band-like band I've ever been in. I'm playing really straightforward stuff in it. Sometimes I am playing the same chord on the upbeat throughout the entire song, <laughs> and I love it, man. I love how simple. Like the clave guy in the percussion. Totally, totally, totally. And and it's like, it's zen for me. And it's super fun. And, you know, people are dancing. They're having a good time. It's very different from the whole rest of my music world that I've, and yet it's kind of the same. For, for example, same. Extra Soft Earthquake. Yeah, Extra Soft Earthquake is a project I have with John Lydecker. I don't know if he's been on your show, but he's he's amazing. Wobbly. I would love to have him on. Yeah, he, he knows... He knows everything about everything. Um, Yeah. And it's a project I have with him. We, we did a bunch of studio recordings. We were going to put it out or something. And then I was like, Hey, what happened to that stuff? And he said, Oh, we need like two or three more songs. Then we're good. I'm going to send you all the stuff we did. And if you could just lay some vocals down. And so he sent me just a ton of stuff that he had been working on of our recordings. None of which is even remotely familiar to me. And, (laughs) I started making songs, so that's just. You mean the time? Making... The time period was so big you had forgotten. And also, he is. It went through the wobbly machine. Okay. The wobbly <laughs> machine outputs a, a, a whole different thing on the other end. And uh, so, I mean, he handed me this amazing stuff. I was like, "Cool, I'll make some weird pop music with this." So, I don't think anybody has heard that song apart from me and him. You're premiering it. Ah, oh, bitch. Now, yeah. now here's another proj, or or Hema. Right. Before we play it, give us the inside. Uh, so that's Jake Horber, who's a drummer in uh, Burmese, and David Lim, who uh, uh, plays as Tralfaz, noise dude, um, and Kent Cates, who's uh, man, he's in a, a a bunch of different bands, but uh, uh, Omnivorous Sensillum is a long term one. Uh, 
all noise dudes and uh it's a black metal band and i sing in it so i'm i'm vocal i'm doing black metal scratchy vocals in that now you, any costume or 3d glasses <laughs> you know we started out i i would i don't know if everybody would agree with me in the band but i think we started out as a parody of a black metal band and we did wear costumes then and then at a certain point david Lim, it's his band he's the boss he turned to me and he said hey let's be regular guys for the next show <laughs> so we put on regular guy costumes now <laughs> okay people here's our Hila.セッツの国の戸川のというところに一匹のおじかが住んでいましたこのおじかには二匹の中のいいメジカがあって一匹のメジカはセッツの国の夢野に住んでいましたもう一匹のメジカは海を一つ隔てた淡路の国の
野島に住んでいました。おじかはこの二匹の目鹿の間を四重行ったり来たりしていました。けれどもおじかはセッツの目鹿よりも淡路の目鹿の方を余計すいていました。そしていつも淡路の方へ行って遊んでいることが多いので、夢ののメジカは寂しがって、淡路のメジカを恨んでいました。ある日、珍しくおじかは夢ののメジカのところへ来て、一日遊び暮らしました。そしてその明くる朝、帰ろうとするとき、ふと悲しそうな、心配そうな目をして、ため息を一つつきました。目鹿は不思議に思って、あなたどうかなさいましたか大層顔色が悪いようですね。と尋ねました。おじかは、なあに、なんでもないよ、と言って、強く首を振りました。いいえ、ため息をおつきになったりなんかして、きっと何かご心配なことがあるのでしょう。わけを話してくださいまし、と目鹿がしつこく責めました。そこでおじかも仕方なしに、実は、ゆうべ、嫌な夢を見てね、と言いました。それは、どんな夢何でも、私が野の中を歩いていると、いつの間にか頭の上に草が生えて、背中には雪が積もった。どうしたのかと思って、気持ちが悪いから、雪を払おうとすると夢が覚めた。一体何の知らせだろうか。気になって仕方がないと言いました。すると目鹿はふと思いついて、これはちょうどいい檻だから、こういう時におじかを脅かして、もうこの後、海を渡って淡路へ行くことを思いとどまらせてやろうと考えて、でたらめな夢裏を立てました。それは頭に草が生えたと見たのは、カリウドの矢が首に当たる知らせで、背中に雪が積もったのは殺されて塩漬けにされる知らせだというのです。だから今日は淡路へ渡るのはよして、ゆっくりここで遊んでおいでなさい、と目鹿は言いました。海を渡ればきっと途中で狩竜土にいられて殺されるかもしれません。そう聞いておじかは怖くなりました。どうしようかと思って、とうとうその日は一日ぐずぐず暮らしていましたが、日が暮れかかると
どうしても我慢ができなくなりました。もう何が何でも野島へ渡らずにはいられなくなりました。そこで夢野の目近が止めるのも聞かずに、とうとう出かけて行きました。すると、全く占いの通り、海を渡る途中、下流土に見つかって、おじかは首をいられて殺されました。そして、その亡骸は、雪のような塩の中に詰められて人に食べられてしまいましたですからうっかり冗談に占いなどを立てるとそれが本当になってとんだ災難を受けることがあるものです
Watch for Peter Show last music for this edition, or Hema with Heat Swim in the Shallows. And then Few, Message from the Dream, Umeura. Finally, Anvil, another proj. Anvil Encephalopathy. Wow. To a bloody fucking pulp. And I mean, this is a sleigh ride, this baby. <laughs> and we recorded that that in 2020, over the course of 2020, I was doing a, a weekly improv gig. I was running this with Jason Soliday from Chicago. We called it Principles of Non-Isolation in Audio. And we used this software uh, thing called Ninjam to pit up different improvisers to play. You're talking um, about real time, not trading files. Real time on Sunday nights. I mean, it was a stream. Folks would tune into it it was just audio so it was like a radio show um and we pull up i mean a lot of folks that have been on your show we had victoria shen uh aaron dillaway yeah and in fact those two played together as a duo um on the show and they'd meet up and that that's ninjam software it's trippy man you know instead of making latency shorter like everything tries to do it makes it longer and predictable so sends everybody a bpm and then you're playing with folks in time, but you're like exactly one measure apart from each other at various points. So. Oh, I could see. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So if you want to jam in time, you can. And if you want to if you want to just space out, man, you just turn off the, the, the metronome and you, you go into it. And that works fine for any kind of noise stuff. And you're but saying that, that, thing, th- th- so this, that piece this piece here was a result of that? That piece was uh, I put together... Like, I don't know how many people are in that, but there's 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 probably a good like 10 people, about 10 people in that ensemble. Uh, we all played it online. I drew up a score for them. I played a little bit. Of it. I play I, I played a little cello and a little noise. But for the most part, I conducted them. And uh, yeah, we did that all online. There's folks from New Orleans and and uh, uh, the drummer was in New Orleans. The bass player was in Oakland, Chicago. Pretty cool. You know, you don't have, yeah, the internet just doesn't have to be used for spreading lies. We can collab. (laughs) Definitely. (laughs) And then we did that on November 1st, 2020. Ah, Beautiful, beautiful. Here's the document. And it, like I said, it's a sleigh ride, man. It's, I I dug it. I dug it big time. (laughs) E-I-G-H. So. Or A-Y. Where can people find you on the internet? Uh, My website is soundcrack.net. And okay, pretty so much find let, anything. Let's spell that. There. Let's spell that. S O U N D C R A C K dot net. Yeah. Okay. Because I thought you might have thrown in some K's. Hey, no extra K's. <laughs> okay, okay. And uh, plans? You got some new brand pos coming? We played some recent stuff, right? So, are you working on a whole brand pos album? Uh, yeah, I've got a bunch of recordings that I'm I'm trying to wrangle together. Uh, there's a uh, there's a Cinechamber thing in San Francisco that Not Human puts on, uh, and Victoria Shen works works with with them. Uh, so I'm working on a Brampos thing that's like in ten cinema screens around you. With uh, Fletcher Pratt is is doing the video for me on that, and that's that's pretty cool. Wow, that uh, sounds pretty yeah. massive. Yeah, that'll that'll be. I don't know exactly when that's going to happen because we're at the sort of beginning stages of right, it. Like right, right, right. That's you know, okay. Nothing yeah. canceled. Uh, Things were just postponed. Yeah, right. And yeah. then uh, trying to finish off that extra soft earthquake thing, get that out. We've got a 
Well, you know what? You get that done, and you bring the wobble, and you guys both come on the show and talk about it. Oh, yeah. Will you do that? That's great. I Thank love that. Thank you so much, Jake. And yep. a big honor to have you on. Hope all this Keep stuff goes good. Can't wait to have you back on. True. Yeah, all right. We keep on keeping on. People, it's been June 13, 2021 edition of Pedro Show. Keep your powder dry.